Hey everybody, how's it going? I just wanted to take a second to say thank you for everybody who's listened so far to the Reptiles with Podcast. Um, we have a set schedule of how we release these things, but with everything going on with the Reptile Bands, I pretty much wanted to push everything aside and push this one that we're releasing today with uh, Carlos from Tropical Reptiles up front because of everything going on with these Reptile Bands. It's very important that we all stay informed. So with the podcasts that follow this one, you know, you might hear us talking about what's going on right now but in like past tense but i just really wanted to put this one out first because it's very 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 important uh with that being said we are officially silver members of us arc uh if you can donate anything if you can just anything that you can do to help them out that would be great we're also releasing a new merch line just us arc stuff on our website uh and all the proceeds, just like the old US Arc shirts that I made, all the proceeds are going to go straight to US Arc. Uh, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this one. Uh, I won't take up too much of your time and listen. Enjoy. Later. Hey everybody, how's it going? You're listening to Reptiles with Yoshi, Alex, and Carlos. Alrighty, if you're listening and want to watch, you can check us out on YouTube at HSR Exotics. And if you're watching and want to listen, you can see us at, oh, well, you can listen to us at whatever streaming platform you want. Carlos, how you doing today? Hey, good. How you guys doing? We're Pretty good. good. We're good. We're good. So pretty much we're here today to talk about uh, all this nonsense going around with fish and wildlife. How are you feeling? Yes, sir. <laughs> you know how the feeling is going around, man. It's, you know, it's very uneasy with everybody, you know, every keeper and every breeder just feels like we got betrayed because, you know, everybody was already on their prior arrangements and everyone, you know, was doing this responsibly. Uh, following permitting, going the right steps as to keeping the animals and so forth. And then all of a sudden now we're forced with these new regulations that we're no longer going to be able to keep these animals. And, um, you know, there's a lot of years of hard work that has gone into this and we're all registered and permitted. So, yeah, it, it's definitely a whole bunch of nonsense. It's, it's extremely frustrating, especially listening into to all those calls a lot of not only breeders but a lot of keepers where they're freaking out they're just you know they're the one the one that specifically stuck out to me it was that older guy that he said that he moved down from illinois and he was saying how like he came here he did everything according to their rules he has his his facility everything is is up to code and they're telling him that he's not going to be able to live out his retirement plan you know and it's just that you know everybody has their story everybody in the situation is yeah screwed. they they pretty much try to make it look like we were reptile outlaws yeah in the whole um way that they came about things and what is misunderstood by the public is that we go through a whole inspection process the csp holders they go to, through a tedious process that they have mm-hmm. to show that their cages are secure that they're the proper sizes in order for them to even be able to get the csp permit and then they have to also microchip their animals which is something else that I don't understand, you know, and the years of capturing the animals out in the Everglades and so forth, the only ones that you ever catch are the basic ones that escaped during Hurricane Andrew and so forth. Yeah. The basic uh, Burmese python. You don't catch a morph out there. You're not catching striped or green berms or no, definitely albinos. Yeah. And the other thing is you're not catching tagged animals out in the wild yeah you know so which that leads me to believe that the program is working you know because if there's no escapes and there's already a program in place where you're being inspected as your cage requirements and so forth i don't see why the reason is of trying to 
Yeah, trying to work exactly. with it. Yeah. What what I felt while I was watching it, I felt like they were using the reptile hobby as like a scapegoat. You know, everything was very calculated. They already came in. It seemed like they knew what they were what they were going to decide on. The first couple callers were people that were with it, and they were like people of different organizations that were working with Fish and Wildlife, and yep. they went on over three minutes from what I understood. So it's just, it right. was very calculated. It, it, it was scary to see what you know, for the most part, these people that are, that have the power can do, you know, and it's, and it's hurting us. The, the whole presentation, uh, seemed to me like a sales pitch. Mm-hmm. I used to work in, um, in business management and doing a lot of, uh, corporate jobs for a lot of years in which it required me to manage a large group of people and the, the whole marketing team and the people that would try to push to try to get certain things approved for the wellness of the bank or the wellness of the organization uh-huh. will make a presentation according to what they needed. And if, if you notice, there was a lot of things in the presentation that were incorrect. One of the things that, that stood out to me the most actually was in one of the graphs that they showed how the invasive species grow. It says it's based out of a graph from Australia. Do you know the climate and the weather in Australia? Yeah. It is way warmer than the weather in South Florida. So if you have a species that is invasive, of course, with that warmer climate, it's going to overpopulate. But that's not realistic. That's not really compared to Florida. And then they're saying that the Tegus became established in 2002. We all know that there's a video circulating going around where Florida Fish and Wildlife went and visited Kamal's facility that was located by Robert is here down south. Uh-huh. That's where they saw the first hand incident with the Tegus roaming around after they escaped. So then they only find this gentleman named Kamal and he's no longer living in the country. Back then, the same thing with the Burmese Python. If the program would have been addressed or they would have gotten Python hunters or Tegu keepers to go ahead and go and track the, the Tegus and set traps and tackle them firsthand, the, the, the population would have blown up to the numbers that it is today. And I am sorry to tell you, but after eight years of being out there in the wilds, from my personal experience, volunteering my time, the Tegus are here to stay. The Burmese pythons are here to stay. The iguanas, psh, they're here to stay. They're already an established species in Florida. Yeah. And yeah. they're trying to use that to take away our livelihoods and take away our passion from the breeders and the keepers when we're not responsible for the issue. This issue started long before I even started a company here breeding exotic tegus in South Florida. Yeah. This issue was started by a malicious gentleman not keeping proper cage requirements back then. They got out of hand. The species got loose. They weren't controlled. Nobody started an eradication program back then. They just kind of swept it under the carpet and let it go. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's, it really is sad because it's, it's one person one one individual or just maybe yeah. a couple individuals that really painted well it's it like is for every other industry there's people with malicious intent yeah but the only ones that you see out there the same thing i go out there all the time i don't see a red tegu that a breeder let go no. or a keeper let go i don't see a blue tegu the only ones that i see are the the chalk one region all white headed cask black and whites that everybody mm-hmm. knows the distinct characteristics of it yeah and where did it came exactly. from the same facility that other people try and have malicious intent to spread lizards somewhere else around the, the state or whatever, that happens with every animal there is. 
that you can't take that malicious intent from people. There's malicious intent in people in politics. There's malicious intent in people in religion. There's malicious intent in people in every walks of life. Yeah. But we, we are here as keepers and as professional breeders setting the code, setting the right standards and the moral code to keep the species. Showing everybody, look, we keep the animals in these huge cages. They have locking mechanisms already as it is. We already started, by example, we chipped all of our tegu lizards, hundreds of tegu lizards. And then we encouraged everybody to come to us for the cost of the microchip, $10. I will go ahead and microchip your lizard for you. Yeah. So it's like, dude, I can't make it simpler. I can't make it more like, you know, I want to help the public. I'm out there every year collecting data on the tegus that I capture out in the wild. I came up with a trapping mechanism that I catch up to eight tegus in one single trap at a time. Yeah. My traps don't close after one single tegu and that's done. No. On top of that, I've been collecting the data out of certain locations that they found to be critical data. So based on the locations being critical, now I'm working with programs like the University of Florida, giving them survey data on 63 traps out in the Everglades, showing them, listen, these are critical areas that are close to the natural ecosystem that I've been removing tegus from for years. So it's like, and all of this is voluntary. Nobody's mm -hmm. covering my gas. Nobody's covering my eggs. <laughs> Nobody's yeah. covering my trap material to build all of this, my time out there in the wild. Every time I got to go check the traps, that's over four hours of my day gone. Yeah. You know, and I don't have traps where I park the car and I walk up to it and just check if there's something in it. No, I get down. I get deep into the bush, into the Everglades, where there's naturally protected habitat, like just basically in the borderline of where I'm putting my traps in private land to be able to make an impact and stop them from moving further into all these protected areas where all of these birds that they're planning on building condos on. Yeah, I saw. Yeah. Is, you know, actually exist and yeah, actually yeah. lay their eggs. Yeah. So it's like, dude, those are things that you got to take into consideration when you talk about all of these topics. And for all of those eight years that I've been out there in the wild, I have yet to run into one single FWC agent telling me, hey, I'm putting traps here or I'm doing this effort to remove tegus. No, nobody. Nobody has even been interested in me collecting this data and doing all of this until recently, until about, I think it was last year or 2019, where I, me reaching out personally, hey, listen, you know, I'm doing this. I'm trying to establish communication so that we could work together, dude. I don't have anything against anybody. But when you come against me and, and directly tar target us, the industry as keepers and breeders of these species as being malignant individuals, that's incorrect because we are responsible individuals. And you know what's another thing that, that really triggered my head and, and, and showed me like, um, not only are, are we um, keepers and breeders, but we're also conservationists. There's a documentary going around regarding hunters and how hunters change the land and yeah. them protecting certain species were able to get the numbers up. So they became the hunters, the first conservationists yeah. of the land. Bro, it, yeah. it, it, it's sad because what, what, we, what people were saying the whole time was, we agree there's a problem. What can we do to help? Exactly. Just don't take away our animals. Exactly. This is our livelihood. Why? By, 
by them, I'm sorry to cut no, you no, off, no, go but I'm just very passionate no, on the that, subject. That's why I wanted I to do get this. It off my head I want you to there. get up. That's why I wanted to um, do this. Go for it. By them banning the species, you're not going to drastically remove the numbers from the wild. Mm. Nothing is going to change in the wild. On the contrary, there's going to be less folks like me out there trapping it, out there hunting them, out there voluntarily putting in hours, removing tegus from the Everglades. What's happening now, there is a, a Python buyback program, a Burmese yeah. Python buyback program through FWC and the Water Management District. There's mm -hmm. actually two Python buyback programs. With the tegus, there's no tegu buyback program. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. right now, the tegus that are being taken out from the Everglades, we have to find them another home. We have to rehome those tegus. We give them a second chance at living. And most of those tegus either get imported out of the United States, which is something that a lot of people don't understand. The tegus, even though like I catch 1,800 tegus out in the wild a year, those tegus, there's a small number that stays in the United States in the pet trade. Yeah. A lot of those tegus are exported out of the United States into the pet trade in other countries. Yeah. So that's something that they, they also lacked to inform the public about when they made their presentation. Yeah. There's a lot of the breeders that breed high-end tegus that the tegus are not circulating around the United States, and that's countless amount of tegus. No, those tegus are being exported out of the United States and are supplying other markets throughout the world, yeah. other zoological institutions throughout the world. Because Florida, due to its habitat, we, we do have the perfect sun. If we keep our animals secure enough to be able to breed them in their in their prime habitat and be able to produce these animals here yeah you know so it's like we have to work together you know not make each other the enemy not make each other the bad guy not point a finger at each other on the contrary there is much to learn those programs that they talk about that they that they held for the public they're one-sided everything that the public talked about everything that the public said in regards to it Oh, they're just kicking the can around. No, we're not kicking the can around. We're trying to tell you guys that we're not being understood here. We yeah. have something to say collectively. And then you have Karen's calling with their 100,000 supporters from their government-funded program yeah, yeah. to say that they are pro on this ban. Come yeah. on, man. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. They were saying that they caught a, a Nile monitor that somebody let go pregnant. How does that, as a breeder, with that doesn't make sense. With 32 eggs. That doesn't, doesn't make, make sense. sense. With 32 eggs, that, berm, that reticulated pythons can lay hundreds yeah. of eggs. The Burmese pythons could spread to areas where respiratory viruses, you know, don't exist. Don't exist. They're going to Maryland. They're going no, to Virginia. No, for sure. They'll build a second set of lungs. They'll, it's they'll, all good. They'll build a, a thick shed and withstand the winters under the snow. That doesn't make sense, Those man. Those don't make sense. Why would, we, why would no, somebody no, no, put man. an animal, a female out there that's pregnant? How yeah. does that make any sense? Listen, um, it costs me every year less than $20,000 to catch 1,800 tegus. Where are those millions of dollars that they're talking about in that budget going to really, man? Yeah. Because there's, I'm, I'm, I think I'm leading the game by example when it comes down to the trapping game out there. There's a lot of trappers doing an excellent job. They catch thousands of tegus as well that are completely unrecognized, completely under the radar because they choose to be that way because guess what? 
Guess what we're learning now? After going through a licensing process, after going through a permitting process, after going through and trying to engage in conversation, we're learning that, unfortunately, they can't be trusted. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it sucks because it's, in the end of the day, I worry about, obviously, about us, you know, you specifically. That's why I called you right after the meeting because I was like, yo, I, I need to see how he's doing. Yeah. You know, because it's just the next generation they're not going to understand this exactly. you know and then you know i i have a continued like talk with, with some people and they're always like oh but we have to whatever whatever and they argue with like older people with their views but i'm just like dude it's it's more about you know educating the kids so that way they don't exactly. they don't grow up like this but now the problem is we can't educate the kids yeah, we exactly. can't because now we can't have these animals yeah anymore. well my wife does about 18 to 26 schools every year Voluntary, nobody here. We're not asking schools to cut us checks here. Yeah. We take in the rarest tegus that we have, like this one here. We show the public. The kids, they love seeing things, but some kids don't understand by seeing things. You know how they feel emotions? By touching yes, the animal, yeah. bro. If there isn't the physical contact, the connection, some kids are disconnected, bro. It's just another screen to them. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. So yeah. if they could see it on this... They don't care. It, they lose attention. Yeah, yeah. You have to make them feel it, bro. You have to make them see, listen, this is an animal that has feelings. It has emotions. It could be engaged with. It could have a good day. It could have a bad day. And the thing is that what a lot of people don't understand when they talk about reptiles in general being bad is that the more and more we get into all of these uh, allergens and all of these things that our health is changing around, Animals like reptiles are not to blame for your bad health. On the contrary, a lot of people are being born now that have allergic reactions to fur. So they can't have cats. They can't have little rabbits. They can't have dogs. So what do they tend their attention to? Reptiles. That is literally my whole thing. Mm, I, yeah. yeah, I... I, as a kid, I always wanted to work with animals. My dad bred birds my whole life. I've yeah. always been introduced to exotic animals. I have horrible allergies, you know, so... I, I threw out my whole dream as a kid of working with animals. I was like, I can't. I'm going to be sneezing the whole time. Yeah, and then man. I didn't think about it. I got a little bit older. Somebody gave me a turtle, and then it went different for me because I was like, I didn't even think about having animals like this. It changed exactly. my world. In, exactly. in a time where I was doing music, and that was going to be my career, and then everything went to shit, and I was like, damn, I didn't go to – I, Yeah, I didn't, I didn't go to college. You know, I, I had nothing, and then I had reptiles, and then it changed everything for exactly. me. Exactly. You know, so it's yep. – people aren't going to be able to have that. And that's the thing yeah. that worries me. And, and that's another thing that, that um, I, I, that's another aspect that I wasn't even like thinking of. For me, like, I don't know if I was like being self-centered or whatever. Like, I was just so self-consumed into my own like issue with the whole topic. But listening to people calling in, right? And talking to Florida Fish and Wildlife Committee and breaking down. Yeah. On the phone, like, listen, this is my support animal. Yeah. We have support animals right now that are dogs and cats that could go with you anywhere, can stay mm. with you in a hotel, can stay with you anywhere. So why are reptiles being discriminated against? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. It, well, it, especially it, if, if you don't have the means to have one, if you have allergies and stuff, to have a dog yeah. or a cat. Yeah. It, why are reptiles being discriminated against? It, it bothers me because if, if it doesn't have fur, if it's not whatever, you know, people don't want to talk about cats and, and you know, and anything and doing anything yeah. to 
to anybody. You know, it's just it, people just don't know. I have a friend that in his line of work, you know, it's it's like a like a first responder kind of thing. Yeah. So he tells me he's like, yeah, we got called because um, they they told us to go catch an anaconda in the Everglades, and I'm like, I will give you everything in my bank account right now if you show me a picture of you with an anaconda now if you're telling me that you went and you went to go catch a a burmese python it's different i didn't get mad with him i'm like look but that's the problem is people don't know you know there's not you know and now not only will people do people not know they can't know because now we can't go to to schools and teach kids now we can't have these animals you know and educate the public anymore you know and and it's it's scary man it's scary for the future that's that's one angle too and then the other thing is like they talk about your life so easily you know like oh you could just phase out and breed something else and change species and stuff like that it's like guys like we didn't get to the level of producing these animals overnight we have been breeding tegus to get to this level for countless amount of years so that's years of my family eating cup of noodles of my wife's my wife telling me like dude you're crazy like what are you doing getting these lizards and it's like we had a mission statement in life make a sacrifice yeah early enough take all of these years as a hit so that we could further progress in the species and get to the level that we're at now so this is like eight, ten years in the making that we're talking about already. Yeah. How are we just gonna transition eight to ten years in the making? In three years. To two yeah. to three years. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Not only that, but how many? I mean, yeah, there are some reptiles that that uh that they mature quick, but it's not you know like big lizards like this take many years yeah. to mature exactly. for them to have it. It's not exactly. gonna take three years. You're gonna have to buy a whole bunch of animals right now yeah. to see the fruits of it in exactly. five six years. Sure. It, well, it, that's what I'm yeah. talking about. With the tegus, we had to make sacrifices throughout all of these yeah. years to be able to get our breeding stock to have the the rare stuff to put together the mixes to make the animals that we produce today. So those are years in the making of hard work and labor, which are not going to be able to be returned. Like, how am I going to just, oh, let's just phase out and, and get into another species all yeah. of a sudden? Like, like for example, like tegus are, I would say that they're very closely related to blue tongue skinks, right? Yeah. So let's say you start getting into skinks, and then all of a sudden they want to take out skinks. Yeah. You know, they already yeah. put the, the, the South African python, yeah. and they were like, it's not even here, but it can live here. Exactly. And then what are well, they going to the do? Well, the yellow anaconda, there's yeah. like 60 in captivity, I think, and they're saying that it's a threat here too come on man it doesn't make sense and, and then what so the south african python you know now we're going to take a ball python yeah, how are yeah. they going to tackle that it, it doesn't make that. sense here here's the thing that i find the most absurd out of the whole thing okay they're talking about building concrete caging that are going to take over a million dollars for a level of the of, of breeding that we're we're taking place uh-huh. right now and then we have to phase out in two years that so we have to sacrifice and spend all of our money again. Again. How much do you think our cages cost to be secure? Yeah. How much do you think our cages cost to have locking mechanisms? How much do you think our cages cost to have the tegus pit tagged? Yeah. Each one of those microchips per each one tegu. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it was so it's only... like we're already making investment after investment after investment. What are we doing this for then, guys? We do this because we have a passion, but these animals take $3,400 to $5,000 a month in breeding season to breed. Yeah. I mean, to, to feed. Yeah. So it's like you have to take into consideration the cost, the material cost that we put into our local economy, the food cost that we put into our local economy. The water that we use that goes into who? 
because the water here yeah. is controlled by only one person. Yeah. The electricity that we put into all of those babies that goes into who? Because it's only controlled by one person, FPNL. Yeah. So this is all money that we're putting back and it could be traced back because I'm my own accountant. I'm my own numbers keeper. If you go back to my H&R block lady, which she's a sweetheart, she'll show you the breakdown of how much I spend. And you're telling me that these aren't my family? Yeah, no, it, it, it's horrible, man. Man, it's, the, it's ridiculous, the funny man. Thing, the funny thing is that I think about everything that you're saying right now, and, like, they can say, oh, but, like, the money in the economy is different than the environment. Then why didn't you put the money into it before to take care of exactly. the issue to before it became this big problem? Exactly. Yeah. They very clearly attacked the breeders because what I noticed is that they were saying, oh, if you're not breeding the animals, you can keep it outside. Yeah. yeah, exactly. What does yeah. that mean? Exactly. You know, not only that, it's like one of the gentlemen on the board. I don't want to mention his name is responsible for wiping, wanting to wipe out because his building company wants to build condos. One of yeah. the biggest green sea turtle nesting grounds, along with manatee areas that there is yep. in a borderline up there. Yeah, I saw that. And it's like he cares. He's a conservationist. This is happening because of our environment. No, man, this isn't happening because of our environment. Yeah. And let me make something else clear while we're at the topic, man. I spend a lot of time out in the Everglades and in the borders to the Everglades in the water management district lands, okay? I come into a lot of personal contact with the Army Corps of Engineers on site, on site. You know why? Because I'm out there with my, with my uh, bike, with my mountain bike, and I run into a levee or I run into an area that I can't cross upon, right? So I always ask them very, you know, very innocently because I don't have any malicious intent in my question, but I want to know the truth from the people in the field, from the people getting their hands dirty, yeah. doing the repairs, making the actual analysis, okay? I tell them, hey, man, you know, there's an argument going on. I'm not biased on to which side I'm taking, but I want to make this clear to you that the green iguanas are being responsible for destroying the levees and the canal areas and the structural land, which is concrete near these lands and the, near these certain specific areas that they're filling their mouth discussing about in these, all these meetings to bring terror to the public regarding the green iguanas. Mind you, I don't keep the green iguanas, but I'm just generally concerned about yeah. the topic. You know what their answer to me is? Hmm. No, nah, man, it's not the green iguanas. The problem is that there hasn't been budgeted funding into taking any sure. uh, preventive maintenance into making sure that all of these levees and all of these structures are taken care of. And I was a building engineer for eight years. I know what preventive maintenance is, is making sure that you do minor repairs to prevent big issues happening and deteriorating in the past. Now, if you haven't done any preventive maintenance to the structures and the structural cracks, obviously the green iguanas are gonna use those structural cracks to burrow and make their nesting grounds. You're facilitating it for them by not taking care of these structures, but don't blame the green iguanas the green iguanas are not Godzillas that get to the concrete, look at it, 
yeah. with laser eyes and build a nesting site, man. This yeah. is concrete we're talking about here, man. Yeah. I see it firsthand. It's concrete with rocks all around it. And yeah, when you get to them, there's 20 and 30 iguanas. Guess what? Because the structure has deteriorated enough underneath that it's like a subterranean house for the yeah. green iguanas. So you're facilitating for the green iguanas to live in these areas. Yeah, it's it really is a disaster everything that's going on, man. It's I worry, I worry. I don't I don't I don't see I mean, I don't see where where we're going for this. What do you think is the future? What do you think is the next step? Uh, the next step, man, is for them there was a lot of people that already called and mentioned this is for them to get that tag meeting that they were discussing all the way to the top of the priority of this list okay. before they decide to go ahead and enforce any of these rules and regulations and trying to punish us good standing good samaritans that have gone by the book and done everything legally they kept an inventory of our species with them kept a disaster recovery plan in our class three with them so that they know clearly exactly what's going to happen with our animals in case of an emergency this is in the wild west of reptile keeping in florida yeah it may have been in the 90s when you let these irresponsible mal malicious individual roam the land and didn't take care of the issue but it is not now that's not 2020 reptile keeping at all yeah. we are responsible individuals i make sure to go out there on my voluntary time to remove the black and white tegus that i don't even produce that it's not my issue i go out there to tackle the issue first hand with my hands yeah. okay nobody's telling me no story i'm not sitting behind a desk talking about a meeting about another meeting about another meeting and let's discuss this on the next meeting and take no affirmative action no i'm taking action i'm waking up every other day i'm going on survey one two three which is the same python app that they use and making sure that i'm out there making my trap captures count collecting data on the captures, making sure that I'm out there tackling tegus even before the tegus come out, even before the females decide to lay eggs and you know explode or whatever. I'm taking care of the issue firsthand, man. The only thing that we need to do is come together, okay? The keepers, the breeders, and the actual authority figures on the subject. We could all use our knowledge on the subject together to eradicate the problem. But banning the species is not the answer because banning the species doesn't tackle the problem that already exists out there in the wild. On the contrary, you're turning your back on the breeders and the keepers. And there's a lot of breeders and keepers that are ex-felons, that are people that don't really even follow the laws. So they don't care whether a species is banned or not, okay? I have gone individuals telling me irrational things like that they're gonna make tegus now because of this fear mongering that they're putting on the public the national lizard of florida there's no need for that guys there's no need for that because i've been volunteering my time to tackle the issue out there to remove these lizards from the wild if you make the public go nutcase this is like another orson wells that they said that aliens were attacking and the public lost their mind this is another scenario like that. People yeah. are going to lose their mind. Guess what I'm going to start catching in the, in the traps? No longer the ones that I catch every other year from here, every single year from here. I'm going to start catching all sorts of tegus. 
because people are going to lose their mind. I'm going to start catching ball pythons in the wild because people are going to have fear now of keeping the animals that they loved. Yeah. They're going to be fearful. Oh, my God. The cops are going to come to my house because of something else. They're going to see my tank with my snake in it. They're going to see my tank with my tegu in it, my green iguana that I've been had for all these years securely. And now it's a problem. So it's like changing the mindset of individuals as well, negatively, in my personal opinion. Yeah, no, so, I, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. It's, it's, it's definitely a scary thing. And I just have my fingers crossed and I'm praying that there will be a better day, man. But for sure. is there anything you want to leave everybody with, whoever's listening? No, I appreciate everybody tuning in and listening to us, man. And, you know, actually giving me the time to talk about the subject. I am really passionate about it. So I'm sorry. I just no, keep rambling on. But it's something that we all need to be focused on and addressed. Because I feel like them listing numerous species is just a way to open a list yep. in general. So if we start with tegus and we start with now monitors and we start with anacondas, which is a boa, and we start with the reticulated pythons and the other python species, guess what they're coming after, folks? They already mentioned stuff like this in the public meeting. Or what are those other monitors called? Yeah. Guess what they're coming after, folks? All those other monitors that are called different species. Yeah. It's one of the things. All those little crested geckos, they said that if it could populate Florida, it could pretty much end up in that list. Yeah. So what are we end up to breed here? Penguins? Literally that. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. I don't get it, dude. All right, Alex, you want to say anything? You good? No, I'm good, man. I'm here to listen and learn. All right. All right, guys. Later. Take care, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to follow us at HSR underscore exotics and on Facebook as Half Shell Ranch. If you're listening and want to watch, you can check us out on YouTube as HSR Exotics. If you're watching and want to listen, make sure to check the description to see what streaming platform we're on. This was Reptiles With, a podcast by HSR Exotics.